Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves, a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am. Uh, welcome to Freedom of Species and before us you heard Sally with Out of the Pan and check that out every week 12 till 1 on Sunday for all yeah lots of interesting discussions around all kinds of issues uh, affecting the rainbow community and I also want to give another shout out to another show which is Tuesday Breakfast so Tuesday Breakfast invited me on their show this Tuesday so thanks thanks to them for having me on and also for saying nup to the cup as well they're very um, yeah strongly uh, speaking out against the Melbourne Cup and had me on discussing that issue and uh, other animal issues so yeah you can listen to tuesday breakfast 7 till 8 30 a.m every tuesday morning and you can also listen back to both out of the pan and tuesday breakfast at 3cr.org.au so my guest or my new co-host is madison griffiths thanks for coming in madison and welcome to the team thank you so much nick i'm really excited to be here cool and yeah we wanted to discuss a bunch of issues today basically introduce madison who's been on the show a couple of times once as a guest and, and once as a host we wanted to do a, a whole episode with Madison just to introduce Madison to the team and to our listeners, etc. So we're going to talk about a wide range of issues. Uh, Melbourne Cup has just been on this week, so that's definitely something we'll discuss. We'll also talk about uh, this association that's often made between meat and masculinity and sort of gender issues and how that feeds into meat eating. Uh, we're also going to talk about the new documentary Game Changers on Netflix, which is uh, sort of in a way um, challenging some, some of these constructions as well. But I think there's a lot to be said around gender in that documentary as well well so yeah there's some of the things we'll get on to probably lots more as well uh, but before we get into all that I thought maybe if we start off with Madison maybe your story about how I guess how you got interested in in animals or concerned about animals and I was kind of thinking that that question actually that we we have to yeah you know, it's kind of assumed that everyone can is concerned about animals to an extent or otherwise yeah you know, there's kind of questions like will people cause harm to humans and, and these kind of issues and it's seen as like a, a big problem so i guess in in this society it's kind of assumed that we are but obviously hosting an animal advocacy show you're probably maybe thinking about these things deeper than a lot of people are i guess but yeah how did you go like i guess like growing up and stuff like when did it sort of um were you always someone who was very concerned about animals or was it later on but yeah yeah no i i really like that point i think a lot of people are really protective about being animal lovers, which I find quite interesting. And that's something I noticed when I was quite young. Um, I was always a very, very big animal lover. And then when I got to 18 and 19 and I started studying philosophy at uni and I um, followed the, the very common trajectory of stumbling across Peter Singer and thought, I don't want to do anything I can't defend and it was a very easy and quick transition for me to go from vegetarianism for six months into veganism. Um, so, yeah, I've been vegan since I was 18, um, 19, but I, I actually did, and I'll, I'll tackle this a little bit later, which is quite interesting. I did grow up on a racehorse farm, so everyone in my family are uh, jockeys, trainers, uh, farriers, horse breakers, um, which is a very violent way to describe a particularly violent endeavour. Um 
so yeah, it was always quite confronting for me having to uh, juggle those two identities um, and to make sense of the racing industry as something that feeds into the exploitation of, of animals very, very explicitly. Mm. Yeah, and um, on that point on on caring about animals and, yeah, kind of if we don't, we're seen as like a pariah, I guess, and I, I'm reading a book. Um, it's the Rosies. I don't know if you're aware of those books, Rosie Project, Rosie yeah, Effects. Yeah. So I'm on the third one at the moment and it's a bit of a spoiler but not that central <laughs> or whatever, but um, the, the kid in the book basically he – he apparently kills a bird and then there's this thing of like we need to you know maybe it's linked to autism and all these discussions and there's a big problem at school like he's going to mm. kill a bird and so basically when there's that accusation he gets suspended from school and it's interesting the solution for them like while he's away from school is that he's going to go out on a fishing trip oh my gosh and it's just interesting I guess the book is from someone who probably you know is an animal of course like we don't want to harm animals but doesn't even view you know, fishing, like killing fish as any kind of, I just thought that was kind of interesting, like taking a break from school because of like, you know, apparently killing an animal and then they're going to go away and kill other animals and this kind of disconnect that we have in those. And it also interesting, this idea of um, philosophy. I think we've had a few different, um, yeah, guests and hosts, et cetera, who, uh, yeah, sort of got into all this stuff through philosophy as well. But yeah. um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so we had the Melbourne Cup recently <laughs> and, yeah, there's obviously, um, yeah, very widespread opposition to this and I don't know if you noticed that in your spaces. I, one thing I mentioned on the Tuesday breakfast was that even in spaces that aren't specifically animal activism spaces, like spaces more like left-wing sort of social justice spaces, I just saw unanimously negative and mm. people are very critical. Is that your experience as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I think my newsfeed is a particularly mm. interesting one mm. um, and I say my newsfeed because I think that's sort of the, the way to gauge how people are responding to social events. Um but given that I do occupy a very left-wing spaces and also do have a lot of people that I grew up with who do work, not just uh, attend the races, but work in that industry, um, I was sort of spiralling between uh, very, very anti-racing sentiments to very, very anti-anti-racing sentiments, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was quite an interesting place to occupy. Um but I do. I did find it quite jarring as well that I saw a lot of people who I know do subscribe to speciesism and do um, engage in, uh, I guess, the consumption of, of animal products, mm. um, be quite forthright about their opinions on the cup. Mm. Um, and I do think there is a bit of cognitive dissonance that occurs there, which I find very, very frustrating. And mm-hmm. I'm a little bit unapologetic about it because I, um, I guess, given my relationship to the cup and mm. given that this, the the costs of um of of choosing to disengage with that area of animal abuse um comes at a familial cost and a um social cost for me mm. so i get quite frustrated when i see people sort of engaging in this uh um online disdain for something that they clearly in some way shape or form do still practice mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I um, yeah, I, I my feed was the same, but obviously without that sort of horse racing connector, I wasn't. <laughs> I'd be concerned that. if that was the yeah, case. <laughs> yeah, true. But I did, I did actually um, seeing that on that like yeah, hating animal activists and stuff. I, I did actually see just someone Twitter by it or something like loves animals, hate animal activists or something like yeah. that. This weird kind of thing of oh, we're the ones who love them by supporting these industries or whatever. But uh, yeah, it is an, an interesting kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think it is a yeah, definitely a, a fair point about the sort of making these 
these connections. And, and again, that's something I spoke about on Tuesday breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I didn't even necessarily want to go and like, I, I want to necessarily make this connection. I was open to doing that, but they specifically said like, how does this relate to veganism and stuff? And Absolutely. I guess like a, as a vegan, me boycotting the Melbourne Cup, not giving my money to that industry because it does kill horses, for example, is very much similar to like the same reasons I boycott the egg and dairy industry, for example. So in the horse racing industry, the horses are killed once they're no longer profitable in many cases mm. um, and very much the same the egg and dairy industries those animals are, are killed at a yeah, young age in the case of males maybe slightly older in the case of females but as soon as, soon, as, soon as they're no longer profitable to that industry um, yeah they're disposed of they're, they're killed and so yeah it's not so much like I've got my opposition to the Melbourne Cup sort of somewhere over here and my veganism is somewhere else over there it's like they're very much connected and I Absolutely. think they very much flow onto the other it feels yeah. very mathematical almost like one plus mm. one equals two on both mm-hmm. sides I mean if you can protest um, the the relationship we have to to animals when it comes to um, exploitation of, of say you know the racing industry or, or greyhounds or whatnot um, and, not, and not then see those links with other animals mm. that feels so much part of the problem mm. um, and I do find that quite frustrating as well yeah I definitely understand that frustration I think for some uh, vegans like they might have been like the only person in the workplace objecting to the Melbourne Cup and, <laughs> and, and then it's like but everyone else of course we support it we haven't really thought about those issues but then it's kind of been in a, a weird composition where it's like everyone is like no, not everyone, but many people in workplaces, not like the one vegan or something like that. Um, but then it's kind of the thing, oh, that's great. And then like going out to lunch and eating animals and yeah. that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm also just at the moment, particularly kind of in a way, a little bit wary of those hypocrisy arguments, just because I've seen them so much, I guess, from the right wing. Uh, I know. About when it comes to the climate change, so the blockade IMARC protest recently, a lot of the big mining executives who are trying to get into the conference were like, oh, they use mobile phones, so therefore, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're wearing shoes. Yeah, exactly, that kind of thing. I think, like, Extinction Rebellion, I've seen things online where it's like, oh, they're going to McDonald's after their protest. Mm. And, like, yeah, that's not a great thing to do, but, like, it's just a really distraction kind of an argument. And I agree. I, I just think that, yeah, and I know there's been similar things around climate marches, like climate change deniers, like Malcolm Roberts uh, from One Nation Party have shared pictures. Oh, look, they're all using plastic water bottles yeah. and therefore, like, somehow that invalidates their arguments against Absolutely. Adani and stuff. So, yeah, how do, so, yeah, I just think that, and, and often vegans make these same arguments in environmental spaces like, you know, how can we expect others to change? Or how can we expect government to change if we're not, you know, going vegan for environmental reasons? Mm. And I, I just don't think that messaging necessarily gets through to people, especially when it is so similar to these sort of right-wing climate change-denying arguments. Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't, but on the same token, I definitely encourage, like, people who are opposed to the Melbourne Cup too. Like, again, I, I celebrate that opposition, opposition to the Melbourne Cup and I think it's a positive thing, um, but I also do think it's a positive thing to go further. But, yeah, do you have any thoughts on that idea of, like, how we can sort of encourage people to make that connection but not be sort of, yeah, sort of almost be similar to those kind of, like, right-wing sort of mm. dismissive hip, hip, hypocrisy arguments? I agree completely. Yeah. I mm. think it's um, that's a really, really important point. And I, I do think there is this funny thing occurring right now where um, we believe that if it's not all or nothing, it, it mm. essentially cancels out all efforts. Um and I think it's important to look at the statistics surrounding the the lack of engagement with the cup this year and be mm. thrilled about that mm. and to see progress as um, something that occurs over time and um, with sort of diligence and consideration. Um, I do find it interesting that there are many of us that do respond to that hypocrisy in a way that, that honours that and, and says, well, actually, you are correct. Mm. I should sort of go 
the full Monty with this, mm-hmm. um, or at least honour the, the ethics that surround that. Um, but I also, um, I, I do agree with you completely, I am wary of, of the effects of that because it can result in this cancellation completely mm. of I will just not engage with this issue because it's mm. fraught with hypocrisy or it's mm. fraught with um, you know, so many different also intersectional elements of how people engage with veganism and how people engage with all forms of social progress mm. um, through a class, race, gender perspective. So I do want to make sure that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sort of... Uh, uh, every every victory is a, is a little and monumental victory at the same time, but mm. it does get a little bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking, I remember um, one of my partner's friends was over at, at our place, like staying with us for a few days from Perth. And um, just one just very trivial example, one thing she mentioned was uh, that she's sort of got very concerned about the environment and mm. um, yeah, does things like when, you know, when you're getting hot water or something like that, like before the water gets hot, like filling it up with a like a bottle or something and then putting that onto the garden, for example. Yeah. And yeah. little things like that. And that was something I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, I should probably do that. And it was, wasn't kind of like, oh, you're vegan, but you're not doing these things. Absolutely. It was more just like, I'm doing these things and trying to make these positive steps. And I think we can probably do the same with veganism too. It's not so much like, oh, you know, oh, you say you're, sport, you know, you're against the Melbourne Cup, but you're eating animals, like <laughs> kind of going down that hypocrisy road, but more just like, yeah, just being like, that's great. You're opposing this and, and here is why I'm vegan and, and hoping people might follow along, I guess, in that kind of way. It can, might be a better sort of way of phrasing things i guess yeah. i agree yeah. i agree completely mm. i do think also though that there is this kind of um unfair distribution of labor uh, when it comes to people that do love animals or people that do mm. sort of uh engage in in veganism and vegan politics where we are expected to be compassionate to everybody mm. especially and almost sometimes primarily the people that do stand against everything we believe in so whilst i do agree completely i do think it there is a way to acknowledge the labour that falls on um, activism's shoulders when it comes to very gently um, inviting people into our cause. Uh, and I think that that's been captured really beautifully with the climate um, protests at the moment because there is there is a very palpable anger in the air and um, it's this sort of fed-up energy that I think is very, very useful when it comes to activism because we are in a place of, of urgency and emergency Um and I, I do think that whilst it's it is important to always be accessible in how we approach um, ethics and how we approach activism, I I do find it quite frustrating that there is um, there is space to I, I guess critique people that are in essence doing the right thing if they're not doing it in a way that seems um, you know rosy and 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 covered with I guess uh, <laughs> invitational rather than demanding requests yeah and I think I think that is a good point and I guess in a way like the privilege of eating animals in a way in terms of like we've all got different privileges and mm. um, forms of marginalization based on our like gender and sexuality and race etc and not to necessarily compare it with that but at the same time I think if we are sort of going with the flow and doing what everyone else is doing there is some sort of like comfortableness in that I guess and I guess those are us who um, like stick our neck, stick our neck out, or go against the grain, or whatever. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. There is this particular burden on them to be polite and not to say yes. things like, "Yeah, again, like how do you know you're a vegan?" Like they'll tell you that kind of thing, but it's yeah. never the same on the other side. Like, how do you know if they eat meat? They'll tell you, or and never. they often like, yeah. do tell you. <laughs> like, they yeah. really, yeah. really do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like there's this idea of extra burden on those who are maybe going against the flow 
rather than going with it and actually uh, consuming animals. I, I think that is a good point as well. And we're also going to have a yeah quite a strong focus on gender throughout mm. this discussion as well. So I know that's something you want to talk about with the Melbourne Cup. There's so many different things uh, going on there. And one thing I shared on the Freedom of Species page was a, a video from the the Juice Media. They do these honest oh, yeah. government ads. I don't know if you oh they're great. Yeah, 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 I've yeah. seen that one. So they did one with the Melbourne Cup. So I thought that was just a good example of like people on the left who are you know concerned about other issues, workers' rights, Indigenous issues, making this um, leap to animals, which again I think mm. we should celebrate, even if they're not necessarily extending that to other industry. I think it is a positive thing. And there was a, all these animal problems with the Melbourne Cup that are really highlighting as problems within their own right, but also talking about other issues like um, gendered issues mm. and alcohol abuse and other human issues, which I think are also important to address. But um, yeah, what 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 can we talk about in terms of the Melbourne Cup and gender? Yeah, so I think the Melbourne Cup is a really really interesting one because it does. Um, uh, Samuel Leighton Dorr, he, he writes for SBS Voices and he actually um, made the point, which was very pertinent, that there is a spike of domestic and family violence that occurs um, around the race that stops the nation. Um, so there are a high number of reported incidents on Melbourne Cup Day um, and that is not necessarily unique to Melbourne Cup Day. That that tends to be this um, you know horrifying pattern that repeats itself across major sporting events mm. i guess because there is this homage to unchecked masculinity and when that space is is allowed to flourish with booze mm. and gambling and an explicit exploitation of someone or or something that is socially lesser in this case animals mm. um horses that there is that entitlement, that explicit entitlement that is is in the air that permeates the space, mm. and um, violence is is inevitably going to flourish in mm. those spaces. And I do think um, it is very very important to acknowledge that in a way that also acknowledges the immense sexism, explicit sexism, even away from animal um, issues mm. that occurs within the racing world as mm. well. Mm. As someone that knows the racing world very intimately, I can see and have um, laid witness to the amount of sexism that pervades those spaces. And that's because it flourishes off that. It flourishes off those power dynamics. How can we expect um, or how can we sort of you know, not challenge those systems without acknowledging that the, it stands on the shoulders of violence mm. in 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 essence so yeah i do think that the melbourne cup is this sort of smorgasbord of all mm. of the things that um, remain unchecked about toxic masculinity mm. and then we wonder why it causes so much harm it is harm that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and I think that like the we we mentioned like the alcohol, and, and as you say, that is part of it, but also it's definitely not like purely the alcohol because yeah. I think of like the the idea that obviously women consume alcohol as well, yeah. and there's not like there's not those rates of violence because there's not those sort of underlying gender norms as well. So again, as you say, all these things are kind of fuel to the fire, but that's also really we definitely need to address like the fire as as well, like yeah. itself, and and I guess that's what we're going to talk about for some of the rest of the show. This, this sort of idea of uh, masculinity and uh, sort of dominant or like toxic forms of masculinity, et cetera, mm. and also how it feeds into meat eating. So I thought I'd play a, a song uh, yeah, along those lines all about this connection between uh, meat and masculinity. So this is a band from uh, Perth, from from where I'm from. And yeah, yeah, a great band and, and a vegan band. And I did actually um, organising a vegan social justice festival back in Perth. They were um, yeah very keen to like play at that and modify their lyrics to not have swearing. So they're swearing in this song, which I do <laughs> to mention as well but um yeah i think it's a, it's a good song all about um yeah this this connection between uh, meat and masculinity so yeah this is the decline with brovine i am not afraid of being afraid. 
On Thursday 28th of November at 12pm, environment groups and communities from across Victoria will peacefully rally together at Parliament to call for urgent action for our natural world. After five years of the Andrews government, nature deserves more, especially in the face of climate change. Victorians need new and better funded national parks, stronger nature laws and better protection for our threatened forests, rivers, beaches, oceans and native plants and animals. We need real action for our natural places and wildlife now. Join in the Nature for Life rally. Bring a sign to highlight the natural places you love that deserve better protection. See you on Parliament Steps, Thursday 28th of November at 12pm. Look for Nature for Life rally on Facebook and visit Victoria National Parks Association website vnpa.org.au forward slash rally. VNPA is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on the airwaves of 3CR and we are joined by Madison Griffiths, the latest addition to our Freedom of Species team and we're discussing a range of topics today but yeah, quite a heavy focus is the intersection between gender and, and animal issues and animal consumption, etc. And so before the break we heard a song, Brovine by The Decline which was all about this sort of uh, connection between like being like manly, being macho and, and eating animals and, and yeah, challenging that and yeah, refusing to eat animals and yeah just one example i recently saw which i think is a really blatant example of this um association with masculinity with eating meat I, i'm imagining madison's far too cool to be watching commercial tv so I, I imagine you have not seen this ad but it's for jack link's original beef jerky and basically in this ad there's you know yeah a, a male and female like you know couple at at dinner and basically the the woman is like oh you can't eat meat like we're vegetarian at the moment or something like we're we're eating vegetarian and then basically the the waiter comes up and like sneaks the the guy some beef jerky and that's like promoting the ad and there's just like so much to say about that because it's obviously this idea of like he's not being manly because he's not eating meat but also i think tied into it he's not being manly because he's letting his his partner like say like they should eat this food which is like less kind of masculine food right not meat so um yeah i'll I'll hand over to madison i'm sure you've got a lot to say about this uh connection between meat eating meat and masculinity but yeah yeah. gosh it is so unbelievably convoluted i think (laughs) um there there's an important point to make as well about um i guess i wanted to bring up the term soy boy because i thought that was a really good example of, of this idea of how men this engage with um, not just veganism, but with with what it means to be a man, and that is a perfect example because you've got that that layer of, um, I mean, I haven't seen the ad. You're right, but that mm-hmm. that layer of of being handed this sort of uh, thing he's entitled to that is a huge part of his his essence. Um, that being the jerky, and that being very necessary for his sort of uh, sanity and 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 well being. Um, and I do quite like the on the opposite end that that idea of a soy boy because it, I guess we know that soy is a very um, pertinent thing that we consume as vegans. Um, and the definition of soy boy is slang used to describe males who completely and utterly lack all necessary masculine qualities. Mm. I didn't write this, by the way; it was Mm-mm. from Urban Dictionary. Um, and that that example made made me reminded me of this definition because of the use of the word necessary. Mm. Um, this pathetic state is usually achieved by an overindulgence of emasculating products and or ideologies. So I do think that there is this um, 
really complex place that men occupy um, and their relationship to veganism or their relationship to, I think, compassion generally. Mm-hmm. Um, explicit or implicit compassion is seen as a, a betrayal of, of their sort of uh, pack mentality uh, or their, their, I guess, top of the food chain mm-hmm. idea. If they completely disregard that, what is left mm-hmm. if, if not a man? Mm-hmm. So... Um, all of those ads, I think there was another one I said, you know, all of the lamb ads really feed into that, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, too. And I guess, yeah, if we want to talk about um, masculinity, we have to first acknowledge the insidious violence that occupies what it means to be a man um, and critique that. And mm-hmm. if what's left is is uh, not much at all, then we have a problem, a serious problem. Mm. And speaking of critiquing that, I know, um, yeah, and this will probably get into game changes as well, but mm. um, I guess... You know what? What job? What kind of job do you think we do of that within vegan spaces of of challenging these dominant notions of masculinity? If we do it all, I guess we are to an extent by not eating animals. That's yeah. part of it, but I guess there are other parts we might sort of feed into. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, I I do think that, um, and this is something we we spoke about a little bit earlier. I do think there is. Uh, much more to be done when it comes to the representation of men in the in the field, um, or in the in the cause. Uh, you know, given today there is uh, the World Vegan Day uh, event at the showgrounds. Mm. Um, and I remember last time I went, there were all of the big gym junkie types and they were almost uh, reveling in the spectacle of being um, big men. And they wanted that to be that the sort of uh, conundrum, the, the, the two-legged conundrum that was occurring. You know, we are vegan, we do care about animals, and we're massive. Mm. Um, I thought that was a really interesting spectacle. I felt like I was sort of looking at these kind of zoo animals, which is, <laughs> I get, quite, quite ironic, really. <laughs> um, but I do think that the... Uh, yeah, we do need to challenge these ideas of masculinity, and and even in even in explicitly vegan spaces. I mean, I remember when some of the Beyond Meat patties were advertised; they were seen as uh, delicious because they quite literally bled beetroot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I remember thinking, what is? Why are we marrying the the capacity to bleed or or be conquered in this way to to worth? And why are we? bringing that notion of, of goodness or um, validity into vegan spaces when mm. why are we co-opting a violence um, that doesn't is, is essentially the, the the cause of all of this injustice in the first place mm. um, but it is really hard not to because we haven't yet figured out what it means to be a man um, without necessarily uh, you know, borrowing from old ideologies, mm. and vegans have a long way to go with that. I think, mm. and and I think it's it's sort of an issue for social movements in general of like, do we accept society as it is, and mm. then sort of tweak our message within that, or do we kind of like turn the whole thing upside down? Which I tend to go for, but it is a, yeah. a big uh, a big battle, I guess. And yeah, I definitely think yeah, the game changes documentary. It's available on Netflix, and yeah, overall, I actually did really enjoy it. I thought yeah. it was really well made and and I thought it was quite uh, I guess inspiring and I definitely understand how it could be interpreted in a very macho kind of way Uh, but certainly from watching it I I guess I was more just motivated just to like you know run more and just be more active those kind of things which I think are all positive things but I also do understand how it could be interpreted in this kind of uh, a masculine way but I I guess it, it is 
um, very much of that sort of tweaking things and getting a vegan message into that. So I was like, to be a man, you have to be very strong and very like dominating and this kind of thing. And it's like, and therefore you eat meat. And they're like, no, no, of course we should be strong. We mm. should be all these things, but we're at, we can do that better by eating a vegan diet or a plant-based diet. So Absolutely. it is very much that kind of like tweaking kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It still appeases the, uh, the masculine, I guess, motivation or endeavor at the end of the day. Mm. And yeah. I even find myself falling into that a little bit when mm. I talk to, you know, people like my father or, or, mm. or men in my world that that aren't vegan, mm. um, uh, there is this sort of pressure to advertise it in a way that says you're not actually losing much. Mm. But then we're, mm. we're forced to confront that. But would it be so drastic or, or terrible if masculinity did lose a little bit of, it, of what makes it what it is? Mm. Um, and that's a, that is a huge conversation to be, to be having, I think. But it is worth considering in how we represent um, all forms of social justice, mm. but especially veganism, because it really does feed into, uh, you know, food is so unbelievably gendered. Mm. Um, veganism and, and the language we use to describe veganism versus plant-based or, or whatnot is also incredibly gendered. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I think, th- I think there, it, it is wonderful that there are vegan bodybuilders and mm. it is wonderful that we do have that scope of representation and for any social movement to flourish, there needs to be diversity within its cause. Mm. But I do also believe that um, there is a way to do that without appeasing the, the badness that caused it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And there definitely are, you know, there are, for example, there are like female athletes in the documentary. It is very yeah. male-dominated, which was a critique, and they've sort of spoken about by going, yeah, it is male-dominated because we're specifically trying to look into that, like, stereotype of, like, being male-dominated. But there also are men, for example, who are marathon runners and are very lean and that kind of thing as well. But there is a heavy focus on UFC fighters, boxers, these kind of, like, uh, big people. But, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, in terms of these bigger issues of gender, I guess I see... Yeah, and there's so many issues and Madison's touched on some of them already, but I guess these gender norms has been very restrictive mm. of like you're you're a man, therefore you have to be this very narrow thing. And it's one thing to go, you can still meet this very narrow, like stereotype of what, what is an acceptable way to be a man, or you can be like well, no, you, whatever, whatever gender you are, you can kind of be whatever you want to be as well. Like, that's obviously a much more sort of revolutionary way to go. Yeah. Did you find mm. that you had to sort of question your, I guess, relationship to masculinity when you first started getting involved in animal rights activism? Mm. It's not something I um, consciously thought of, I, mm. I guess, and, and not at all to say like, yeah, I'm a sociologist. I know I'm very much like a part of society and that you're kind of like stepping outside and being critical and stuff. But I, I guess I'd be someone who is like subtly influenced by these gender norms but not so influencer it's like I'd actually be like I have to do that totally. because I'm a man not to say <laughs> yeah. subtly like underlying my actions might be like oh, I'm doing this because of like gender and society and stuff but I think uh, some men who buy into it even more would be like I'm not I'm doing this because I am a man or Absolutely. I'm not doing that because I'm a man so I think like not being that sort of hyper masculine kind of thing already um, made it easier maybe yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah no that's really interesting um, and it, it was interesting that in the documentary they, they did bring in animals to an extent it was mainly more about like a plant-based diet for health and athletic performance those kind of things and uh, but they did bring it in at the end so there was some guy who um, yeah he's basically involved in Africa in um, like stopping 
the poaching of elephants and, and those kind of animals there. And it was quite interesting because I, I, in a way I kind of like liked his approach. I think it could appeal to a lot of people, but it was also quite a masculine approach because it was mm. kind of this when they brought in the animals, which they did briefly. Um, but yeah, this very like massive guy with a gun and everything. And, and he's like, basically, I, I can't swear on this show, but he's basically saying that it's, it, it's BS that he was going out caring for these one animals, like elephants and lions, and then he was going home and eating others. So he was Absolutely. like, basically, it's like, yeah, this is BS. Like, why am I doing that? And it was kind of almost this like aggressive kind of like compassion for animals, kind of like a weird thing. But uh, I did like the way they brought it in. But yeah, it did sort of very much fit the tone of the documentary, which that was that sort of kind of masculine kind of approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know but, what you mean about that mm, quite aggressive sort mm, of uh, approach to it. Mm-hmm. I remember interviewing someone who was very closely involved with one of the um, big vegan movies that came out recently. Um, in Australia, and he was so frustrated at how his father, uh, you know, engaged with with meat consumption, um, and his frustration came out in a way that was very much like, "Oh, he thinks it's so manly to eat dead animals and or like mm. baby lambs," mm. and you could you could hear the 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 um, real confusion in his voice, but it came across in a way that was quite staunch and quite angry, and I did quite like that. I did mm. think there was space for that, mm-hmm. but. Um, there has to be that room to critique that that instinct in the first place, yeah. or to assume that it is an instinct as well in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there there is that thing of like, oh, and I've seen videos go around online and stuff like, oh, you say it's manly to meet eat and like eat animals, or well, it's not manly, like we're being manly and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like again, like I, I kind of understand it's kind of like again working within the gender norms and trying to get a vegan message within there. But yeah, again, I, I do find that kind of a very like restrictive way, mm. and I guess very similar to. Um, um, like say vegans who are women as well like often it's not so much tied to health so again mm. I, I was personally like and I, I'm quite into like yeah play ice hockey and squash and like, I'm quite like active and stuff so I was quite inspired in a, in a way and I um, listened to um, Stickman of Dead Prez they're like a vegan hip-hop group from the US and and vegan and stuff as well and they've got like workout albums that kind of stuff and, and it's quite interesting just thinking about like our relationship to food and just like listening to albums like that watching documentaries like that it kind of changes my relationship to food of like not so much like what do I like to eat but how will this help me like run further and kind of changing so I did kind of find it like yeah inspiring to to that um to that degree I guess but um yeah I think also with with the documentary um there's so much, so much I want to say about it but I, I think one thing is the the this uh, this difference between like a plant-based diet and mm. like and veganism which is actually concerned for animals <laughs> one, one thing that did um strike me was um yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger has apparently recently gone vegan or yeah, plant-based or whatever. And he was being interviewed while he had a, I was going to say crocodile, probably more an alligator, I think, in the earth, but like a stuffed like alligator like in the background. Like, while, like a taxidermy alligator. Yeah, taxidermy. Oh, God. And obviously like maybe like he, he did mention he used to eat a lot of meat. So I guess if he, if he stopped eating meat, like obviously like chucking out that alligator isn't necessarily going to help that animal or maybe it's been there for decades. But either way, it was sort of that mindset of like, you know, it's great to eat vegan and stuff, but it wasn't at all connected to the animals. It was more about this this kind of health. It was, yeah, very much focused on health, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that yeah. I've, I do find that relationship between what it means to be plant-based and what mm-hmm. it means to be vegan really quite frustrating. Mm. Um, I remember when, you know, Osher Ginsberg was on the cover of Men's Health and he mm. he has been very sort of a... He's, he's a wonderful example of, of a man that does sort of satisfy um, 
masculine expectations in that mm. he's ripped, mm. um, he's charismatic, he's sort of in this world that is quite heteronormative, being the host of, um, you know, The Bachelor and The mm. Bachelorette. Um, he's very much accepted by society and he discusses mental health. But when I interviewed him, um, he very much steered away from the title vegan. It was very much, a, a, you know, I'm plant-based and that is that is kind of where I stand. Um, and I think the title vegan does assume a taken-for-granted compassion for others, uh, specifically non-human animals, and that's very feminine. Uh, and to, to identify as such is to, I guess, acknowledge a kind of femininity that not only exists within you but actually dictates a huge part of your life. Um, and, yeah, there is great power in the words that we use when we identify with the particular cause. So when male representatives are steering away from certain signifiers, I take that as some kind of proof of how deeply entrenched the fear of womanness and compassion and even solidarity is within the vegan community and within a really flourishing and, and wonderful space. Mm. Yeah, and this, that's where, where I was going before, actually, just talking about the social norms and, and I guess, again, also for uh, vegan who are women as well. Like, mm. I think often we have these sort of like ideal representations of like, you know, vegans who are women or vegans who are men or whatever. And it seems, again, sort of health is in there and the focus of, um, of uh, what's it called? Uh, the game changers was, was on health and athletic performance and that kind of thing. But I think often we sort of, we act like it's about health but i think it's often more about uh fitting the conforming to these narrow stereotypes so often we have like for example um yeah like female vegans who are like maybe thin conventionally attractive etc and mm. we're like oh, this is great you can be vegan and you can look like this and with men it's like we've got um yeah these big buff men vegans and you can be like that too and it's kind of like well you can but it's like are we also there therefore like sort of putting this pressure on those who don't fit that are they like not sort of supporting the cause as much and this kind Absolutely. of this kind of thing as well so yeah, yeah, yeah. well it looks at the, i guess it looks at the value of appropriation mm. in general uh, mm. i mean we're appropriating you know uh i guess conventional ideas of beauty and health mm. um and how sustainable is that if we're mm. just sort of falling within the parameters of those those uh you know, very, very uh, malleable and very, very um, traditional ideas of what it means to be a man and a woman. Mm. And you're right; it is it is great that there are ways to, I guess, uh, find loopholes in in those representations, and there are ways to be like you can you can satisfy all of these sort of social expectations in a way that is ethical mm. and will make you feel better. Um, but God, imagine if we just let go of that entirely. I wonder. I can't even imagine what that would necessarily look like. Mm. So mm. yeah, there is. It does come down to the argument of whether or not appropriation in general mm. is um, is a way to to satisfy, I guess, our ethical concerns. Yeah, and, and like yeah, again, we, we often say it, it is about health, but I think often we assume someone is healthy if they fit the dominant socially constructed body type according to their perceived gender. So yeah, I, I've known uh, vegan guys who are like big bodybuilder types and they're quite open with that I'm not very fit like yeah. I, I can't <laughs> run very far like they're just like you're probably way fitter than me but like yeah. they look they they more closely resemble that ideal body type because they're buff they're, they've 
got big, big biceps, etc. And very much the same with women. Like you can be thin and, you know, conventionally attractive and kind of fit that um, sort of ideal body type, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy. You might mm. not necessarily eat a healthy diet. You might not, you know, do any exercise or anything like that as well. So it's kind of, yeah, those two things are very much kind of tied together, I think. Yeah. For sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll take another track. And I did want to mention as well, we, we did cover the Game Changers documentary um, on a previous show, not not me, but other hosts. Um, Adam um, covered it with a host, Christian. But I did think it was worth returning to because, um, yeah, you can listen to that. That was a good discussion on that documentary. So that was covering a wide range of topics. So you can find that show at freedomofspecies.org. It was called Animal News, Horses, Labs and Sport. And, um, yeah, covered a wide range of issues, including that documentary. But I do think it was worth covering, again, one, because I was keen to get uh, Madison's take on, I guess, not so much the documentary, but like the associated issues. But also from plantbasednews.org, um, they mentioned the pro-vegan documentary, The Game Changers, has become the, the best-selling documentary of all times on iTunes within just a week. Wow. So it, it is... Um, yeah, changing kind of, the game. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it is interesting that they've got um, – yeah, they do definitely seem to be breaking through to a um, – yeah, beyond the animal movement and beyond the vegan movement. And I, mm. I think, you know, I think we can both look at the positives of that. And, again, I, I personally did really enjoy the documentary. I definitely saw some of the um, – yeah, I definitely saw the gendered aspects that was going on. I know I, I recommended it to my, my parents and, and my mum was saying, oh, like the women are doing the cooking and the men are kind of doing the athletes and stuff to a degree as well. I think one of them was like a professional chef and stuff. Stuff as well but but yeah definitely a lot of like gender critiques but i think we can like do both we can talk about some of the positives that people are um yeah challenging what they're eating and and in a way challenging some aspects of masculinity while it, i guess embracing others etc but uh look at those positives and also have a critical eye to the the gendered stuff that's going on Absolutely. as well i did actually go on the hashtag the other day actually just when i was sharing this episode around it was quite interesting and, and again i only saw like not not that many but it was interesting the tweets i saw were basically all from people who were not vegan or were not eating plant-based and all of them saying they were going plant-based or heading in that direction so it it does seem to like have reached out beyond the vegan movement vegan community and it does from what i've seen um seem to be received quite positively so um yeah again i think there's a lot to discuss there but um yeah I, i did think it was quite well put together in terms of the mix of uh like interviews and like a little bit of like science and the personal stories like it was james cameron who's done the titanic and stuff so i was like yeah i guess he knows what he's doing but um yeah i thought it was quite well put together and as they raised and we covered on the show previously um there definitely could have been like a lot less uh male focused it was heavily male focused and often particularly um yeah, males who maybe conform to those social things as well as being very, very fit and that kind of thing. It's interesting actually Arnold Schwarzenegger because he, back in the, like, decades ago, he had this famous thing, like, he hit like a vegetarian, like, that's like a bad thing. And oh now now he's got gone vegetarian and now I, I think, um, yeah, completely plant-based as well. So it's, um, wow. yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting changes. But, um, yeah, definitely could have uh, a lot more yeah, female athletes involved, et cetera. But, um, yeah. 
We're going to go to our song now. Um, this is one chosen by Gregor, and I'm going to try doing this uh, very professional radio thing of doing a fade in here just while Madison um, <laughs> while Madison talks about this track. So, what what is a song we're going to? Madison? So, it's by Gregor, who is a local artist, and it is called "A Song About Holding Hands." Yeah, cool. And you're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR. And, yeah, we're joined by Madison Griffiths talking all about a wide range of animal issues focusing on, yeah, masculinity, eating meat and gendered norms and how that feeds into animal issues. We'll be back after the track. Projects and Lamama present The Audition, a multi-authored work interrogating the protocols and power relationships of the audition process to uncover what it means to seek asylum. Director Irini Vella 
has assembled an exceptional team of award-winning writers, including Christos Tsiolkas, Melissa Reeves, Patricia Cornelius, Tess Lysiotis and Wahibi Musa, with Iranian associate artists Sara Davudi and Milad Naruzi, performing alongside Mary Sitarinos, Peter Paltos and musician Vahidi Essari. The audition, 13th to the 24th of November, bookings at lamama.com.au. Outer Urban Projects, a 3CR supporter. This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. We are doing a show with our latest team member, Madison Griffiths. We've been talking about Melbourne Cup. We've been talking about Meat and Masculinity. We've been talking about the Game Changers documentary uh, out on Netflix now. Uh, Again, I think I can recommend it. Again, I think there's definitely some critiques being made, um, but I think there's a lot of good stuff in there as well. I think both those things can definitely be true, but we're going to finish up with the um, yeah, a bit of a discussion around uh, mock meats, which has come up a little bit earlier. Um, Madison brought it up, but I, I was going to say that um, Madison just mentioned off air that it's something that vegans often <laughs> like talk about, but I also think non-vegans are always quite interested about oh, whether or not vegans eat that as well, so I think it might be a quite a interesting discussion for a wide range of listeners but yeah how do you feel about mock meats do you like eating them look Not- i i do mm. i do i do want to critique it though i yeah. i'm a little bit i'm very open to being challenged about my relationship to mock meat mm. i think what i find particularly disturbing about mock meat is is you know the worth of certain mock meats, be it mock um, pork or, or mock duck or, or whatnot, is based on their similarities to actual animals. Um, and I do think that's a really slippery slope to fall down by assuming that something is good or wonderful or worth eating if it kind of mimics the real thing. Mm. Because it still acknowledges or it still sort of subscribes to the belief that animals are food at the end of the day. Um, if not the real animals, the mm. sort of... Uh, faux representation of, of such. So I do think that there there is something really um, frustrating a, a, about that. Mm. What about you? Do you eat a lot of mock meat? Not, not a lot, but I, I definitely don't have a problem with it and I'll, I'll happily eat it. And mm. I, I guess like for me, it's like uh, I definitely sort of understand those philosophical issues but I remember something I used to eat back in back in Perth at a loving hut there was these things which were I think they called them soy chunks but my parents are very uh they're vegetarians but they're very anti-mock meat oh wow and so I was like if they called it mock chicken they'd hate it they called it soy chunks and so they'd like it and for me it wouldn't really make any difference they can call it mock chicken or they can call it like mock beef or, or they can call it soy chunks and either way it's just a food that I like I don't really care about, about the name too much and I, I do kind of understand those uh, philosophical points you're making about um, yeah about mock meats but one thing that does bother me a bit is I guess those who are eating animals kind of act like it's a bad thing vegans eating mock meat yeah. when it's like eating animals has a very direct negative impact on animals and as you say maybe there's some sort of um, vague sort of philosophical argument why yes. mock meats might not be the best but it's very different to eating animals so that, oh, that's absolutely. Yeah. I know you're not saying it's the same no yeah. no but I agree <laughs> yeah. completely with you I think it's an interesting point I mean even last night my best friend and I, you know, ate a bunch of Lord of the Fries, mm. um, and he ordered the um, spicy burger, original patty with the new with the new um, mock meat, 
uh, patty. The, the Beyond Meat The one. Beyond Meat yeah, patty. Yeah. It's not necessarily new, but um, it was one of the first times he'd had it. Mm-hmm. And he had this moment where he is vegetarian, mm-hmm. but he sort of said, oh, you know, people just don't have an excuse anymore, do they? Because this, this product is so able to emulate mm-hmm. um, the real thing. Mm-hmm. And... I do think that is a really, really important point. Um, but I do think there is this kind of, uh, you're right, this very sort of symbolic or philosophical argument in my head of thinking, well, is the real thing something we really want to emulate? I mm. guess it does feed into the masculinity argument as well. Mm. You know, there is a way to be a man that looks and seems exactly like the real thing. Mm. Um but will that serve us in the long run? I don't know. But for now, in, in such a state of like total urgency and, and um, you know, we definitely need, we need people to stop eating animals, mm. I think I'm very, very happy that there are places that do offer a wide range of mock meat options. Mm. Yeah, and it was interesting. I, I had this a while ago eating uh, the Beyond Meat burger, which is particularly realistic. And as I say, I'm totally fine mock meat. I don't eat it a lot, but I, I eat it like somewhat regularly and it's like it's quick and stuff if you come home and chuck it like a fries patty <laughs> in the oven or whatever but um yeah it was weird because it was like even though i'm okay with eating this food that tastes like meat the beyond meat was so realistic that it was like it, it, i it, i didn't like it i couldn't, it I yeah. couldn't eat it i <laughs> yeah. felt the same way yeah, yeah, it yeah. was so realistic that yeah. it, it made it it really sort of challenged me it made me feel quite uncomfortable mm. the taste was something that i i guess i've married to to violence mm. and i couldn't really enjoy that but I do know a lot of vegans that are very, very staunch um, and wonderful activists mm. that do really get behind those burgers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I definitely wasn't like no judgment for those who do like them. That That's great. And as you say, maybe there are like philosophical arguments we look at, but I definitely don't think, oh, you're doing a bad thing if you, li- if you like the Beyond Burger. But for me, again, I was more saying it was weird for me because I was like, I'm okay with stuff like generally tasting like, but it was just, it's hard to kind of explain it in words, but it was like when I eat a Lord of the Fries, I'd never order the Beyond, but just the standard Lord of the Fries burger or whatever. <laughs> it's like it's there's like it's in the wheelhouse of meat. And then yeah. there, there was something about that beyond meat where it was like you get that it was in the wheelhouse and there was like this specific kind of almost like sweet kind of very specific taste that really took me back to eating like cows, for example. And I was like, that was that was too much for me. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree completely. And yeah. I, I do find also the way mock meat is marketed um really kind of complex. Uh, I remember when, I think it was the Beyond Patty. I mean, there's Mm. been a few different um, patties that have come out recently, especially in the States, um, that are sort of lauded for their capacity to mimic not just the taste of um, animals, but the way the patty bleeds, as I mentioned Mm. earlier, Mm. Um, the way it's sort of, you know, the the bloodiness and the way it sort of looks like a slaughtered, creature mm. um, seen as some kind of like a stamp of approval. And I do find that really complex. Mm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't think to buy a burger because it, it, it literally bleeds before me, but I imagine there are a lot of people that are resolving their ethical conundrums while still wanting that uh, feeling of, of, of dominance, um, you know, or, or, or wanting the, the patty to signify something mm. greater than what it what it is. Mm. Um, but I do find that there, that that is just a further way of, in in a sense, without necessarily. It's a very symbolic and philosophical argument, and I mm. do want to make that point obvious. But it is a further way to appropriate violence in vegan spaces. Mm. And and I think it's definitely yeah, it's definitely the way things are going. I don't know if anyone's noticed recently in Coles and Woolworths, there's all this like mock meat where it it's like the plastic tray and the the clear yeah. wrap, and it it looks exactly like it and um yeah i mean i think i I, yeah i think one thing we probably both agree we'd much prefer it than the alternative i think (laughs) we definitely regardless of what else i'm personally not that 
excited about it from like a personal point of view. I don't think I'll particularly eat that stuff. But um, yeah, other mock meats I might. But um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely the way things are going. And um, yeah, I think there are definitely some positives in, in it in a way. And I, mm. I know I've heard one person talk about like a nicotine patch. Yeah. Like, but I personally don't view it because I was like vegetarian for like five years before I ate any mock meat. So it's more just like I don't view it so much like a nicotine um, patch, like weaning myself off, but more just like I ate a wide range of foods and a small number of them like imitate or might resemble in some way, you know, pr- animal products I used to eat, but it's not so much about like trying to wean myself off from they're just foods I enjoy on an ongoing basis, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think it, I, I guess what I was similar to you, I yeah. only actually started eating mock meat about three years ago. So mm. I had a really interesting, I, I, I guess like you, I had a very um, straightforward relationship with food and that was that food wasn't animals. Mm. Um, and in that time I was able to establish uh, uh, an understanding of food that that could exist away from our ideas of what animals can be used for. Um, and it does, I guess, feed, I love that I keep saying feed into in this particular <laughs> instance, but I, I, I think it does feed into our definitions of food generally. And mock meat, as it is advertised, as it currently stands, is a safety net for people um, mm. to sort of, I guess, venture into more ethical consumption. And I mean... That's kind of great in a, in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's a good note to end on. We are about out of time. I wanted to just give a plug for an episode we did with Madison a while ago. So you can find that in all episodes on freedomofspecies.org and on iTunes. So you just look for Madison Griffiths and animal rights as a social justice issue. Um, you can also go along to World Vegan Day and mm. maybe see some uh, bodybuilders or something <laughs> like that. Um, so that's until 6 p.m. today. There's like food, talks, music, all this kind of stuff. Melbourne Showgrounds, uh, Langs Road in Ascot Vale. Um, stay tuned for End Psychedelia. We're going to finish up with a song, um, Hollywood Failure by Palm Springs. Uh, anything you want to say about this song or any final thoughts, Madison, uh, very quickly though? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Palm Springs is another local band, so yeah. get behind her. All right, and I'm just trying to find this song. Um, we, oh, Hollywood Fair, there it is. Okay, we've got the song. We'll be back next week. Um, enjoy in psychedelia. Thank you. Street lights shine. to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.